Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate that. Well, those of you that are here regularly, what's usually right in front of me? A table. Man, that provides a lot of security. And guess how many pages are usually there? 12 to 14. Isn't that a lot? Now, I skim it and just pray for God to show me what to say. Well, today, guess what I have? Oh, my goodness. I have five questions for us to consider today. And I'll tell you why. Um, yesterday, I did a funeral for a 34-year-old. He was a veteran. And uh, he was one of the students that I had the privilege of leading to Christ over 20 years ago. He was one of those guys who lit up a room. His laughter was contagious. He offered so many things to this world. He was a veteran, and then later on, when, Afghanistan, or when Ukraine broke out, he raised money and traveled over there just to go anywhere that was in need of help. And he gave out tourniquets. That's one of the things he offered. He raised money to hand out tourniquets to people who were wounded. He was the one who was willing to grab a hold of you and just comfort you when you were hurting. But there was an issue. There was a deep sadness in his life. He did not see his own value. And the pain of the world continued to manifest itself in his life. And so there, yesterday, we memorialized his life. And then at his funeral, we sat at a table. A lot of his friends who I'd never met. And what they had was a hunger for God, but they had stepped away from the church. I bet you've known some folks who've stepped away from the church, haven't you? These past three, four years have been really troubling for a lot of things in church. And so it's the same text I'd prepared to teach this week, but I'm looking at it through a different lens. And what I hope you'll do is you'll lean into these questions, and I'm giving you permission. If question one hits you, stay there the rest of the service. Just have prayer time with Jesus. Maybe it's the second question. If you can hang on and follow me, we'll get through all five questions. And then Dave's going to play a song that lets us reflect on that and invite God to do something in us the same way I think he did this morning when he rearranged this message today. So can we pray together? Father God, you're the creator of life. None of us knows how many days we have, but God, for sure, we want to make the most of these days that we have. And God, there are moments, like at a funeral, when we understand the fragility of life, how our days aren't promised, and how the need to carry your hope into this world is urgent. And God, show us today, because of your spirit, how we can lean into your truth personally, but also how we can share that mission. So thanks for the opportunity to gather today and read your word together, open our minds and our hearts to receive it, and we welcome your spirit to guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, and so you could go ahead and grab your Bibles, or if you have an iPhone, you can go to the Bible app. Go to verse 1, or you can follow along on the screen. There is a little portion of Scripture I missed that we'll uh, miss sharing with them that I want to go back to. But in Luke 19.1, the text starts off with, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. David, I'm not going to need you for about 20 minutes. 
maybe 45. We'll see how this goes. Somewhere between 20 and 45 minutes. So I don't want you making me nervous behind me holding that guitar the whole time. You might be, might be you know, getting me off the stage by playing really fast or something. Just calm down, Dave. Calm down. All right. So he said, Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town. So what had happened before? What was Jesus doing? I want to back up a little bit, go to 18. And there was a conversation he had with his disciples about his upcoming death. In verse 31, he says, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem. Where is he heading? And what's happening in Jerusalem? He's, he's, he's going to his death, right? It's his last week of full ministry. So he knows Jerusalem is on the horizon. He says, where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans, and he will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. And verse 34 says, but they didn't understand any of this. How could they not understand what Jesus was saying to them so plainly. He said exactly what was going to happen in Rome. What was confusing to them? What was confusing is he's been speaking in parables a lot, hasn't he? And when you're watching all of these healings take place, you're watching him woo these crowds. You're watching people step in and get closer to Jesus and want more of them. They cannot wrap their minds around the fact that he is going to willingly surrender his life. They still are holding on to the hope that the Messiah is going to come and make their world better, their life better in the here and now. So the idea that he's going to be betrayed and murdered is incalculable to them. They just don't understand it. So they're thinking maybe he's speaking in parables again. And it says itself, the significance of his word was hidden from them, and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. When something's hidden, what can't you do? See it, right? We don't understand it. We can't see it. Look at verse 35. That one should be on the screen. As Jesus approached Jericho, this is the city now. He's, he's migrated. He's had the conversation with the disciples. Now he's heading towards Jericho. Luke records this story. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked, what's happening? And they told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This blind man who can't see, is calling Jesus the son of David. When he says son of David, what he's saying is Messiah, the one who will deliver us, the one who comes. So the disciples can't see what Jesus came to do, yet this man who's blind understands what's happening. He calls him the son of David, and he cries out, have mercy on me. Here's the crowd walking by. What's all this rummage about? Well, it's Jesus, the Nazarene. He's on the front of the city. He's outside the city. And what's he doing? He's a blind beggar. And what do beggars do? Beg. And what are they asking for? Money and food. They're trying to get through another day, right? Short-term vision, trying to make their way through life. One day at a time, one problem at a time. So he's crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. I'm just trying to get through. And the people, what do they say? Be quiet. The people in front yelled at him. Blind beggar can't see. People excited to see Jesus are in front of the beggar, blocking the way of the beggar. Shh! Don't be a distraction to Jesus. 
You've read 18 chapters of Jesus healing people, but no one thought, let me take this man who begs to Jesus to be healed. They're telling him, shh, we're here for Jesus. You're a distraction. When Jesus heard him, actually, I'm sorry, that man, he didn't care much about etiquette. Be quiet, the people in front of him yelled, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, All right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praying God, And all who saw it praise God too. My first question to you is, what do you want Jesus to do for you? If I was to scan your prayer requests for the past week, which thankfully I cannot do, what's the depth of your prayers to Jesus? What are the depths of my prayers to Jesus? Is it just get me through today? Just give me some food. Just give me a meal. Or just give me enough coin. What did he recognize about Jesus that had him treat Jesus different than he would treat someone who's capable of meeting a modest need? He didn't ask Jesus for a meal. He asked for sight. Sight to see. I don't know what your prayer requests have been to Jesus, but maybe it's shallow. Mine can be. God, help me just blah, blah, blah. But maybe my prayer is not big enough. It's not at the root issue. Maybe I'm praying for relief of anxiety rather than being positioned to see with more clarity what's happening in my life. What does Jesus want you to do? Because behind a question is a question, right? You've heard that question, why? Your kid says, can I have a snack? Why? Because I want one. Why? Because I don't feel like walking to the pantry and getting it myself. Why? (laughs) Because, and there's layers of complexity, right? And what you got, sons, is a laziness issue. We're going to walk on that character trait, right? But what is it that you really need? Because when you tell Jesus what you really need, two things happen. One, when you understand who God is, you're going to ask him what's really important in life, right? You're going to the son of David, the son who understands it all. So what is it that you really need God to do for you? Not a superficial request, but what is it that you really need to take your life on a completely different trajectory? What is it that you need? Not that you want, but what you need. Because when you go to the son of David, you can trust him. Because if that needs selfish, he's going to realign that desire, isn't he? That's the first question. So here he's healed. Now they're walking to Jericho. And people notice that blind man, don't they? He ain't bumping into things. He's not carrying anything. He's not being guided. He can see. And he's singing praises to Jesus. And now we're going back into chapter 19, knowing this is what's happening. There in chapter, in chapter 19, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Uh, who knows the Zacchaeus song? Anyone know the Zacchaeus song? You know a little bit about Zacchaeus? Some of you do not know. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up on the sycamore tree for the Lord to see. For he, the Lord wanted to see. I can't remember. Yeah, for the Lord, he wanted to see. That's right, Jana, of course. <laughs> E-kids, workers, for they win. So we know the story of Zacchaeus slightly, not some of us, right? 
So Zacchaeus, it makes a cute song, but he had a big problem. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become how rich? How do you get become very rich? Collecting taxes. And who's he collecting taxes from? His neighbors, right? So he's making some money. Not a little rich, not a wee little bit of rich. He's very rich. He's despised by everyone in the community. And so this guy, he makes his living off your backs. And so as you're watching his house get bigger, as you're watching him with more possessions, as you're seeing him, you know, owning the town, you're realizing you have less because he's taking more. And he's taking taxes from other tax collectors. He's the chief tax collector. So he not only skims from you, he skims from the others. So how do you feel about this guy? Not good, right? Not good. In verse 3, it says, he being Zacchaeus, tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. He was a wee little man. There was a barrier between him and seeing Jesus. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road of Jesus, was going by to pass that way. So Zacchaeus, he can't see, and people aren't making room for Zacchaeus because they don't like Zacchaeus, right? They don't like Zacchaeus. They don't have a good feeling about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is probably the worst in the area. And Zacchaeus, he can't see Jesus on his own because he's short in stature. So he comes up with a plan. He's going to go and climb a tree. How do you treat someone who's little and rich? Do you think he was teased? Anything that makes you stand out that it appears weakness, right? If he was super tall, they'd make fun of him for being super tall. If he was short, they'd make fun of him for super short. Luke notes a characteristic, and probably that characteristic he was demeaned for. And what do you think they would say? Could you hear him saying something like, remember, a tax collector kind of gave up on the tradition of their culture. He was a Jewish man. He was taking taxes from his own people. So then he was ostracized from the Jewish community. Maybe they said things like, you know why you're short, because God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. So all this is running through his head. And so he hears about Jesus. He sees Jesus heals this blind man. He hears this crowd coming through. And so he's interested in seeing what's happening with Jesus. But there's a barrier there. The people are a barrier. They're not letting him see. His height's a barrier. So he has 10 excuses not to just look at Jesus, right? He can go somewhere else. My second question to you is, what keeps you from getting close to Jesus? What's your excuse? Are you disappointed with God because of something he's given you or the provision he hasn't given you? Have you found yourself creating distance between you and Jesus because you're frustrated about your situation in life, your status, and maybe you're willing to climb and peer at a distance, but you're just observing, and you're not sure what to do next. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Now, Zacchaeus is in the tree, wanting to be a distance from Jesus because he feels his separation from God, and he's just looking at a distance. Distance is sometimes safe to check things out, isn't it? But what does Jesus do when he sees his inquiry? He calls him by name. Do you understand the power of having your name called? Have you been in a crowd before and you felt nervous and you were distracted and somebody you knew called your name and the relief you feel viscerally as a result of that? I researched this a little bit last week and it says that when your name is called, neurons all over your brain fire because it alerts you to something happening and brings comfort. And so Jesus didn't say, hey, you, 
you, you, you, looking at me. I want to, I want to talk to you. He said, Zacchaeus. One of the most beautiful things that I've done is take John 3.16 and put my name in there. That verse is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But when I say, for God so loved Matt Silver, or for God so loved Zacchaeus, and you put your name in there and you make it personal, that changes things. Because every one of us knows something that should keep us at a distance from Jesus, right? If Jesus knew this about me, well, would he want me close? And yet he says, Zacchaeus, I must, I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. You see, sometimes we think Jesus is just going to tolerate us. We think maybe he'll just permit us. But Jesus wants us. He wants that invitation, and it's for you. And it's for me. And when we forget that Jesus actually wants us, we start focusing on our behavior. We start thinking about what we do matters, right? What did Zacchaeus change into his life up to that point? Anything different about Zacchaeus? Or was he the tax collector he was that morning? Did he live where he lived that morning? Yeah. Did he have all the money he had that morning? Yeah. So what did he do to deserve Jesus to give him attention? Nothing. He just climbed up a tree and was interested in checking Jesus out. And maybe you being here today is not an accident. And maybe you're here today and you might be just peeking at what Jesus is about. And he knows your name and he's inviting you. Guess what the people had to say in verse 7? The people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. They wanted Jesus' attention. And here Zacchaeus goes and gets it. The worst person of the town. How bad would he have to be that they grumbled that Jesus wanted to go see him? Real bad, right? How do you think they would feel 2,000 years later? We got kids in Sunday school singing about Zacchaeus. That's something, right? <laughs> like, you hated him then. Wait till you hear what happens 2,000 years from now. And they're all singing songs about this little guy. What's Jesus calling you to do? Is the third question. You might think distance is safe. You might think observing is the best place to be. But with joy and excitement, he ran to Jesus because Jesus had a bigger call for his life. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated people in their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Zacchaeus changed in response to what Jesus had done. He said, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. And anyone I've ripped off, I'm going to give four times as much. The Old Testament said, if you take something from someone, you give them back a fifth. You give them back 20% compensation for the pain you caused them. He says, I'm going to give back four times that amount. Now, you might think, okay, that's great. What would it be like to receive that amount back from him? Would that prove repentance? You see, every time you, he goes back and tells someone, hey, Dave, here's four times the amount I stole from you, and he hands that, what kind of testimony is that? Is that a testimony of God's change in his life? And every single person he goes to and shares that testimony of change, they can't deny that it's valid. 
because they had saw him live off of their misfortune for so long. So my question to you is, how does your relationship with Jesus affect your relationships? You see, Christians get a uh, a reputation for going around telling people what they can't do, right? You see, at that table, they were complaining at the funeral, excuse me, at the funeral yesterday at the table, these young individuals were complaining because all I hear is the things I'm not supposed to be doing or the things I can't be about. And I wonder what God thinks about me and my situation. I'm actually interested in reading the Bible to see what God has to say. And I said, remember, God was pretty upset with a lot of the religious rulers because when power gets manifested in the church, it gets pretty scary. He says, have you been to Utah? And I said, that's where she's from. And I'm like, I'm not trying to go there. I'm just saying that every church, anywhere, when power becomes a position and we become proclaimers of harsh truth without providing love and support, the message is not received well. Someone didn't go to Zacchaeus and just start yelling at him about stopping taxes. What did Jesus say? Zacchaeus, let me come into your house. And as a result, he changed. He did not change and then come into the house. He went into the presence of Jesus and then changed. How does your relationship with Jesus affect your relationship? It's ultimately the question of, you might find yourself at work or wherever your stressful situation where you're trying to be a witness for Jesus and you're trying to be known for what you do not do. But what if you took those fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and you made an effort to bring something positive to that space? A little sugar, right? (laughs) If you walked into a space and said, hey guys, I just want you to know I wanted to buy you lunch today. Just being kind. You'll get made fun of, probably. Some people are going to resent it. But some people are going to make, thanks for the lunch. I really appreciate that. What happens if you go in there and say, hey, can I do you a favor today? I have have five extra minutes and willing to help you clean up or do whatever you need. That shows a different kind of change in just saying, hey, you want to come to church with me? Both are effective, but maybe one's more meaningful when you display a change. And then lastly, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. What was Jesus' mission? Seek and save the lost. Sometimes I get that mixed up. Jesus, is your mission to make me happy and well content? Jesus, is your mission to make me comfortable and meet my prayer requests that usually revolve around me? Jesus, did you come to make life easy? Go back to chapter 18. Disciples didn't understand that Jesus was going to die at the hands of Romans. They didn't want that. They wanted the Messiah that would make life wonderful. And here this man, again, a tax collector who couldn't see who Jesus was so many days before, now could see so clear that he radically reoriented his life. Previous chapter had the rich young ruler in it. Remember what he was instructed to do? Go and sell all you have and give that to the poor. And the rich young ruler went away sad because why? He was very rich. The things we chase after may not give us the fulfillment we chase after, will it? The relationships we think are most important are not. And so my fifth question is, who can you help see Jesus? We saw a blind man kept from seeing Jesus because of the crowd that was excited about Jesus. We saw Zacchaeus kept 
from seeing Jesus because of a crowd that was excited to see Jesus. They stood in front of Zacchaeus and didn't think about what they could do to help Zacchaeus meet Jesus. Why? Because he was too far gone. So here's my question to you. I want you to invite God into these five questions. Dave, you can get up and play now. This would be a perfect time. Thank you. Which of these five questions matter the most to you? Which of these five questions do you need to process with God? Because I don't believe today's about a message that you hear. I think it's about a message you apply. I think it's a question you have to wrestle with with God and let him teach you something. So these five questions are basically five invitations. What, what do you want Jesus to do for you today? Maybe you've been frustrated because there's a certain prayer request you've brought to God several times and he hasn't answered it the way you want. Maybe God wants to totally reorient your life. Zacchaeus' prayer could have been, help me make more money. <laughs> I want more money. Because who has, who has, who, what do they want when they have it all? More, right? We know that. Zacchaeus' prayer request may have been, God, I just want to have more. There's some, I want to be the richest man in the area, and right now I'm second rich. Help me get to the top. And Jesus wasn't going to answer that prayer. He was like, actually, I want you to give half of that away. And I want you to make a difference and live for me and put the kingdom first. What keeps you from getting close to Jesus? You think your sins are so great that he will not call you out of that tree, so you want to keep that safe distance? Maybe you just need to go to Jesus and say, God, thank you for accepting me and giving me the power to change. Because yesterday, I did a funeral for someone I think didn't understand he could keep going close to Jesus. And that's a terrible place to be when you think you're too bad to go to Jesus. You don't clean up to go to Jesus. You go to Jesus and he helps clean you up. And if someone told you you're not welcome with Jesus, read through the Gospel of Luke and you'll see you're always invited to Jesus. He takes care of his children. Third, how is he calling you? What's he calling you to do? Is he calling you to give your life to him? Is he calling you to come back to him? He called Zacchaeus out of that tree. Fourth is how does your relationship with Jesus affect your relationships? Maybe God's just calling you. You're great with Jesus and he's calling you to be a different kind of witness. One that's willing to speak truth, but after they show a whole lot of love. And you just need to ask God, how can I love my neighbors more? How can I be someone who's known as a giver? A giver of grace, a giver of materials, a giver of fighting for something around the world. Give me a purpose higher. How can God change your testimony to being, don't do this, to look what God has done? No one could deny that God did a work in that man's blind sight, could he? And no one could deny the work that God did in Zacchaeus' heart. So whatever God's done in you, how can that become a testimony? And fifth, who can you help see Jesus? Who's Jesus calling you to love? Ask him for a name, I think we'll give it to you. Pray for that person faithfully. Make it a point to offer them love and sacrifice. I'm going to pray, and then you're going to just spend two minutes reflecting on these questions. God, thank you for the gift of today. God, I pray that you will just do a work in this room where maybe we need to take a step, just like Zacchaeus, jump out of that tree and run to you. God, maybe we need to come to you for healing. Maybe we need to come to you for repentance and say, God, reorient my life and help me to change. God, maybe we just need to leave this place today with a different set of sense of being on mission and what that means to really share your love with a world that's desperate to need it and needs to hear testimonies and see love of what you've done. And so God, thank you for the gift of today. Challenge us because of your spirit on what you're calling us to do. Thank you.
thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know Him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.